Welcome to the Journal of Biophilic Design podcast. Welcome, Maureen Kalamia, author, speaker, teacher and consultant. She's founder of Renature Consulting and the Feng Shui School called Luminous Spaces. She's also been featured in Cosmopolitan, Good Housekeeping, Mind Body Green, Elephant and others. And I'm so happy she could join us today. I'm really looking forward to chatting Feng Shui and nature. So welcome, Maureen. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Vanessa. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do? Sure. Well, I consult and coach with clients to basically enhance their feeling of well-being in their home and workspaces. Mm-hmm. And my recommendations always include um, not only the outer environment, but their inner environment. So I help them with different things like a little bit of lifestyle, how they are interacting with nature, but also meditation and some other practices. And you obviously you, you use uh, feng shui in your consultancy and in your practice. Uh, I suppose most of our listeners probably would already know what feng shui is, but can you explain a little bit about it? Yes. So it was originated probably four to 5,000 years ago in China. And really the goal of feng shui was to locate land, the best land for survival for their tribe. But over the course of these thousands of years, it's evolved uh, to integrate lots of different things like culture and folklore and many different techniques. And now in nowadays, it's pretty much more focused on places to help you thrive or basically have success in your life. And some of the tools in feng shui are yin and yang, uh, the flow of chi, the five elements, which we'll talk about a little bit because that's kind of my uh, my main focus, but also um, the Bagua map. Some of your uh, listeners may know that, which is basically a tool that we use to overlay over a floor plan and kind of determine where different um, life aspirations are like romance or financial abundance and health and so on. So those are just some of the tools we use. I didn't know that about, um, that's where it originated from, was to locate land, you know, for the survival of the tribe. That's really interesting. I'm going to have to look up um, the history of it, really. It's quite intriguing. Um, Yeah, and actually, I mean, we'll talk about this, but really that, that is the aspect, that is the root where I get my inspiration from is, is the survival art. Um, of course we wanna thrive, but I think you know, in our modern times, we're, we're barely surviving <laughs> in many instances. So yeah. Yeah. that's where some of the juice is. That's, that's where I go back to really the origins and the, the kind of that mindset of locating that best space. Mm-hmm. Or how can we connect better? And why do you think feng shui is an important element to consider um, when designing our, our spaces, our interior spaces particularly? Yeah, so I'm not an interior designer and I, I, um, I completely defer to interior designers. They, do, they create magic. Um, <laughs> but, but what they do is, is more of a visual appeal in the space um, from my point of view. And feng shui is more about the feel of our spaces. So it's much more uh, intangible and it's, it's really personal you know, from person to person. Mm-hmm. So, so feng shui is a wonderful complement to interior design and it's, it provides like a language. In fact, I have many students in my school who are interior designers 
And they said, you know, I kind of intuitively knew a lot of feng shui, but now like I have a language around it. Like I understand why I'm feeling that the space should be more like this or this because it kind of taps into our subconscious, what makes us feel good in spaces. So we may not realize why a room makes us feel a little agitated or if we feel a little lethargic, but when we look at it through the lens and, the, and some of the tools of feng shui, we can actually go, oh, it's because it's too yang or it's too yin or it's missing, it's not balanced among the elements or you know, a multitude of things. And um, it helps us really connect with what a client experiences in their space and their life and gives us the tools to develop a plan of action like what do we need to do to put it back into balance okay i'd be i'm i'm intrigued to to find out a little bit more about you know what different um enhancements do you use to to kind of improve different um areas of the say like for instance when you overlay the bagua map and um, i've been i've been sort of implementing feng shui in my own uh, kind of spaces and home mm-hmm. workplaces for for quite a few years now um and that's why I was really intrigued to find out that you combine both. You combine both feng shui and biophilia. Can you describe how you combine the two, feng shui and biophilia, to help your clients? I mean, you touched on the fact that it's about mm-hmm. location and, and stuff and this, but there's other elements. So I'd love, I'd love to know more. So first, I just want to say that just in general, in the big picture, I feel like the two are really just two expressions of the same concept. And to me, it just felt really organic because when I discovered biophilic design, I had already been practicing feng shui for several years. And when I was reading about it, I I just immediately saw it was a modern take on feng shui. Mm -hmm. Um, And I saw that biophilic design gave yet another set of language and tools to work with spaces that appeals to a wider maybe or different type of audience than feng shui does. I mean, there's overlap, of course. Feng shui is more of an art mm-hmm. and is more intuitive, where biophilic design is more scientific because it's based on research. Research backs it up, but really the underpinnings of biophilic design comes from an intuitive knowing that we are not separate from nature. And when we put ourselves in spaces that are devoid of nature, we don't feel really good. So, you know, but it's the psychology of our spaces and the research that really gives it teeth. And especially in um, kind of the modern mind where um, more and more people are coming around to kind of that Eastern concept of interconnectedness or that indigenous concept that everything is connected. But some people still really want the science to back things up. So, you know, it's kind of interesting because it's like as feng shui evolved, it was, it kind of absorbed the culture that it was in. Mm -hmm. And biophilia is kind of like another layer of that, but it's absorbing the culture that we're in. Mm -hmm. So I think the two work so well. It's kind of like they work well together because they really are, to me, the same thing. It's just different expressions. Both are about kind of reciprocity and connection to the land around us. I think they both satisfy this deep unconscious yearning that we have for living among vibrant, healthy life. 
we desire to live in spaces where we can not only survive but thrive. So let me go to your question now <laughs> about how do I work? Well, it's, it's really interesting because, because I see them as both kind of the same thing, but they did, they, like I said, they have different language and different tools. Um, so what I tap into depends on the client. So typically when I'm working and, and the environment, right? When I'm working with people in their homes, um, our homes tend to have much more access to nature than other environments. So we, we, we're kind of um, there a lot with biophilia, but feng shui will help maybe set up using the bagua, maybe, you know, kind of looking at their spaces. Is, is it a little too yin? Is it a little too yang? What do we need to kind of interject into the space to create a little bit more balance? I'm always connecting with clients on what's going on in your life right now. What are the types of challenges that you're having? Um, because what's really cool is not just feng shui, but kind of psychology, environmental psychology, is recognizing that um, our homes or our spaces are a reflection of what's going on inside of us. It's um, kind of like that cycle, right? It's our spaces have an impact on us and we have an impact on our spaces and it's this complete feedback loop. So when we look at our environments, it's important to know what's going on with somebody so that you can help maybe identify through um, feng shui or biophilia what we could do to kind of switch it um, to make things a little bit better. So uh, let me just give you, for instance, if you have, I have a client who is having financial trouble, mm -hmm. which is very common. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, we look at the flow of energy through their space. Um, you may have heard of things like if the front door is aligned with the back door, mm -hmm. um, it's not very good feng shui. And, in, in, and to kind of explain it a little more, the kind of the background of that is, you know, um, our homes and our lives are nourished by the energy from outside, mm -hmm. um, from opportunities from outside, from our neighborhood, from um, where we live. And um, so that energy comes through our front door. It, if, if that has that alignment built into the floor plan, then the energy can just kind of flow right out. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is we want to kind of put I hate to say the word a block, but because block sounds bad, but we want to create a distraction maybe. Um, we want the energy to circulate through the home. We want the air to kind of circulate like a gentle breeze going through every room. So we want to kind of divert the energy around it. And, and there's lots of ways we can do that um, with physical kind of barriers or just furniture, furniture or plants or something. So that would be one way that I would be able to help a client who was having trouble. And then when I work in workspaces, um, traditionally our workspaces are very young. They're very masculine. They have very little of the feminine or yin energy. So they're usually completely out of balance. So coming from a feng shui perspective, we need to inject more yin. So that tends to be softer surfaces, like maybe area rubs. In, in spaces that are appropriate for that. Um, window treatments, um, again, it's, you know, uh, has to be appropriate. But the most common thing that has been interjected into environments for that yin are live plants. Okay. 
And they, as you and I know, um, and probably the listeners know, live plants is like uh, one of the top things that we can do to bring biophilia into our spaces. And they bring a lot of um, kind of warmth and more yin to our space. So that is like uh, from a very traditional workspace, what we can simply um, recommend. Um, but I also tap into my biofield design side um, for um, being able to communicate with the client a little bit more um, if, if they're not uh, in the mindset of feng shui. They get it. And also when we connect what we do on the interior space with increase in productivity and decrease in turnover and all those wonderful things that affect the bottom line, mm. that even makes it more compelling. Feng Shui has um, sort of taps into like the, the five elements of, from nature, the sort of fire, water, metal, wood, um, and I've forgotten what the other one is. Water. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Um, yeah, uh, and as you said, you know, sort of feng shui is the sort of intuitive side and what biofiller is the scientific sort of side. Um, obviously, five element, five element feng shui is, is, I mean, it says what it does on the tin. It is about nature, isn't it? It's, it's, that's what it is. I mean, with, with sort of lots of people working from home right now, and, and obviously, you know, the future of the workplace is going to change anyway. Well, I hope so. <laughs> um, so as you say, they've got more yin, they've got sort of soft, you know, more um, uplifting elements if you want yes um, in in a space which can inspire and and reduce blood pressure and you know um make people feel calmer um i mean what what sort of feng shui and sort of or biophilic elements would should people be including in their workspaces um obviously it's a time of change obviously we're just coming out of lockdown after the sort of covid um virus um hopefully that's mostly behind us now but what what should people be looking at to um what would be like a sort of simple not fix but an enhancement that most people if they don't have it already what what should they be looking to include well i think it's um number one absolutely is to harness natural light mm -hmm. um it's so interesting how many times I go to a client's home and see their work home office and you know before this many you know some people I mean everybody pretty much had a home office or a homes home office space uh, and they didn't use it that much maybe oh I'm just tapping in after you know maybe a vacation or on the weekend real quick mm -hmm. um, and they didn't really use it too much so they would uh, put it in the least desirable space <laughs> <laughs> which often doesn't have good natural light or they would be up against a wall, their desk. They, so they would be looking at a wall <laughs> because a lot of people, if they have like a guest room, uh, they would have a bed for a guest who is a phantom, <laughs> usually, <laughs> right? And then this is their home office. So they have their desk squeezed into a little corner facing a wall. <laughs> and you know, like the biggest thing for me is to get people to recognize that, you know, how, how, how often do you have a guest? Um, like maybe make this room work for you um, every day. And, you know, so maybe you put the bed up against the wall and pull it out when you have your guest stay, you know, so range the room a little bit so that you can have um, a better position to work in. So 
what I love to recommend is if there's a window with nature views outside, which is another bonus, um, is to put the desk like perpendicular to the window wall so that you're, you're facing, uh, and then of course, the ability to face the door. So you can actually see the door when it's open and if somebody happens to be in the doorway, you can see them very easily. And you then have also a view of this wonderful nature. And there are so many benefits to that. That is like absolutely number one because you are satisfying your inherent need to have natural light and to feel good in spaces with natural light. But you're also uh, accessing that view of nature and that distance view. And um, uh, there's lots of... Um, research that shows that when you're working on a computer, you're really um, activating kind of that short vision, that short, you know, um, near vision, right? Yes. Our eyes then fatigue and they get, um, you know, you can develop a headache from that. What you need is kind of intervals of looking at it a long view. So if you can have that long view, very simple by just shifting your head 40 degrees um, and, and also see greenery and beauty, you're giving your body and your eyes that ability to connect with nature for just those short instances, which can really enhance creativity and inspiration. And then on top of it, you're also getting what we call, in biophilic design, we call it prospect and refuge. In feng shui, we call it command position. It's the same thing. You are having that um, prospect. So being able to see maybe what's approaching you from the door in case somebody um, wants to come into your space and you're not getting startled by somebody coming up behind you. Um, and you're then able to kind of relax and feel more powerful, more empowered. Um, and it definitely resonates within your body. Your whole body just feels better when you have that kind of prospect view. And it's also refuge because you're kind of nestled in, hopefully with a solid wall behind you and you feel comfortable and confident that no one's gonna come from behind you to attack. Mm -hmm. And what, um, you know, what research shows is that even though we may not be aware of this on a conscious level, on a subconscious level, our primitive brain is wired to feel more comfortable in spaces where we can see what is coming at us and have protection behind. So just think about when you go into a restaurant and you have a choice of tables, uh, you would prefer a table against the wall and to have the seat where you're sitting with a full view of the restaurant. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's just, it's human nature. And it's like, well, where does that come from? Um, it comes from our, you know, our survival mode. That's really true, isn't it? Yeah. You're saying you do. If you, even if you go, if you go into an empty restaurant, there's like two or three people there. They're sitting in, at the back, you know, at the side with their back against the wall. Or, you know, they're not, you don't choose the one in the middle and put your back to the main door. It's just, you just don't do it, do you know? So. Right. And, and, you know, we may think, oh, because we get to see the coming and goings of people, it's, it's fun, you know? Yeah, it's that, absolutely. But what's behind it even deeper is something that most of us don't even realize. And it's just, we don't want somebody to be coming up behind us. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and anybody who's worked in a cubicle <laughs> will attest. I mean, most people that work in cubicles have their back vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Not a good feeling. So I even worked in that situation um, because yeah, I worked in America for many years, right? Yeah. And what um, I was actually working in that environment when I was studying feng shui. So immediately I knew I couldn't move. The cubicle is, is fixed. Mm-hmm. But I was able to place a mirror that would reflect behind me mm-hmm. so that whenever somebody was walking behind me, I'd be able to see the movement in the mirror and it wouldn't distract me mm-hmm. at all. In fact, I felt comforted to know that, okay, people are walking behind me, but when somebody actually stopped and was going to then call out my name to get my attention, I saw them before they called my name and I wasn't startled. Yeah. That's so. It's such a, that's such a powerful thing. Um, I always think of it like wing mirrors. <laughs> yes. If you're in an environment where you can't, if your table is like facing the wall or whatever. I, like you, I, I worked in a um, sort of teleprocessing thing when I finished my PhD, and I didn't even know what it was. But I was kind of sitting there, and I thought, God, this is so claustrophobic. I mean, there was just the claustrophobia aspect, but um, yes, couldn't see behind me. And so, yeah, I actually I put a little mirror up to the side of me. Everyone thought I was nuts, but just like you say, it was. Um, it just makes such a difference, doesn't it? You know, being able to see, having a view, and having a yes. View that prospect and that command position, like you say, um, in sort of like a different sort of bifolio in the feng shui kind of uh, mindset. Um, yeah, so I mean, there's, there's a couple more very quick uh, little uh, tips too. Yeah. Um, obviously, live plants, have yeah. some live plants around you, especially if you don't have a view of nature, mm. you can't have access to a window. Um, uh natural materials so if you don't have a desk that is a wood desk maybe um some kind of blotter or something on your desk that's made of bamboo or cork or something natural material so that your hands can actually feel that um and your eyes there's just something about natural materials that makes us feel better than artificial um and you know, one of the most important things is to actually take a break and walk in nature if possible during the day. So, you know, at least take, you know, 15 minute, half an hour break and take a walk outside because it's going to re- really recharge your batteries. And it's, it's amazing how, like I had a client that worked in Manhattan, but a block from Central Park. Mm-hmm. And I, I asked her, I said, so do you take walks i'm like you're so lucky you're so close to central park and she said i never ever walk there and i said okay um and she really you know was dealing with a lot of stress and anxiety not just in the workplace but in her home life i said please do me a favor and i gave her i think a simple kind of jumping stone i said once a week in the park i didn't say oh every day stop that would have been probably overwhelming to her to think about that. So I just said, please, just once a week. And my hope is that she would see how, how much it benefited her and then start doing it more often. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are just some of the really important things to help us feel better in our workspace. Uh, so talking about people feeling better, again, um, obviously, you know, because people are going 
back to work and there's been a lot of change and some people have lost their jobs and they're trying to think about what the next steps are going to be. Um, mm. I, I mean, I know I've got a couple of friends who are, who are definitely not sleeping. You know, they're really having a struggle, um, you know, because they're worried so much about what's coming up. And I mean, is there anything like, you know, that if you are worried or you can't sleep in your bedroom, what sort of um, enhancements or sort of feng shui enhancements or biophilic enhancements would you recommend you know either to to look at to take away some stress views or or to input put like um different colors or or you know you know obviously in, in terms of like the five elements i mean would there be a certain um certain aspects of those that they would incorporate in their in their bedrooms yes and before i would go there though i would have them look at their current space and see do they have uh piles of you know work folders in their bedroom Okay. Um, you know, do they have reminders of their work? Yeah. Now, some people, because of the lack of space, may actually have to incorporate a home office in their bedroom. Yeah. And if that is absolutely necessary, you know, we, we work with it. So how about um, using some kind of pretty cloth or maybe a pretty sheet mm -hmm. and drape it over their workstation if that is the case? If they do have like just piles of work folders next to their bed, I would suggest they move them out. Mm -hmm. So it's it's try to get reminders of work out of the bedroom is like number one. Mm -hmm. um, also under your bed. So don't say, don't think that, oh, it's under my bed. I can't like see it while I'm in bed. You know it's there, please remove it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I also think that there's, um, well, it, and if they are actually bringing their work into their bed, like um, reading through things in bed, like going through emails mm. um, on their iPad or iPhone or laptop, mm. uh, I would suggest they would try to cut off that um, cord a little bit earlier in their evening mm. and actually try to stay away from those devices because there's a bluish light that makes our bodies feel like it's daytime. It's the circadian rhythm. So what can happen with some people is their body gets overstimulated right before they go to bed. And, uh, and then, then they're wondering why they can't sleep. Well, their body thinks it's daylight. Okay. So to try to cut that off, or even, I mean, if they can't, there's usually filters for um, darkness. On my iPhone, there's a filter for like nighttime viewing. Yeah. So it's a more of a yellow light, which will be better. Yeah. Um, and then um, take a look at the position of their bed. It is important to also have command position in our bed. Or it, again, it's prospect and refuge, same thing. Mm -hmm. So they, um, while they're in bed, it's important that they're able to see the doorway into their bedroom. So it's not the best thing to have their headboard on the same wall as their door because they can't see. So if it's possible, I suggest clients move their bed so they can actually see the door, but not be directly in line with it. Um, it's best to be off kind of to the side. And also consider if there's anything heavy over their headboard, like shelves, books. I mean, sometimes we have that. Yeah. Um, I, I do see that. And that's or, or heavy beam mm. head. Um, so things that feel threatening uh, are going to um, need to rest uh, and to feel comfortable and safe 
Mm -hmm. um, even a tall piece of furniture right next to the bed will have that same effect. Mm -hmm. Might feel threatening like it could fall. So, um, you know, if there's uh, artwork over the bed, that's fine, as long as it's not like a heavy frame or appearing to be heavy mm -hmm. over our bed. So uh, those are just some important things. Of course, a lot of people have TVs. So again, it's the same thing uh, as, you know, uh, technology. Try to kind of cut off from that <laughs> um, a little earlier if you can. Um, and I guess lastly is mirrors. Now, I don't see mirrors as being a problem in the bedroom, which a lot of people have heard feng shui say that. I think there are some feng shui consultants that would say get, get rid of mirrors in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because they are energetic, right? They reflect light, they reflect objects. Um, so they help light like bounce around in our room. Mm -hmm. So if there is a, a large mirror, uh, try to remove the mirror or drape something over it for a few weeks and see if that improves sleep. And um, I mean, is there like a sort of special color? You know, is there like a sort of an optimum color for a bedroom? <laughs> what is it? Kind yeah. Of <laughs> so, so I think, um, I think it's very personal. Um, you know, some people like um, white, which is kind of open and airy and is kind of a blank canvas. Mm. Um, I, I actually have, um, you know, I, I've done, uh, the elements themselves are more than just natural materials and colors, mm. but the elements are also energy and they relate to our bodies, physical, as well as mental and emotional. So there's a personality typing that we do with the elements. So I do find that certain people, um, like people that are more metal element, they prefer that clean line and they prefer like the clean of white or light gray in their bedroom where people that are say fire elements, they prefer a little bit more of bold colors, um, which to some people could be too energetic. So it depends on our, I think on our element makeup, what we like, uh, what we think feels restful. Hmm. And how would we, I mean, for people listening, how would they find out what sort of element they are or they relate well, to? Sure, there's, well, there's, there's astrology. So it's based on your birth date and there's a number of systems that you can use. Mm -hmm. um, and there's also quizzes. So I actually have a quiz on my website called What Is Your True Nature? It's a series of 20 uh, multiple choice questions. And at the end, it will tell you what your element is based on your responses. And, um, and it's really, it's fun. And I think a lot of people really enjoy learning a little bit about um, what, what that means for them. And there's, there's actually archetype names for each of these elements, which are fun. Like the wood element is known as the, uh, the pioneer or um, uh, the initiator. They really love like their go-getters. And then the fire element is the wizard or inspirer. Um, <laughs> the earth element is the peacemaker or um, the diplomat. Yeah. The metal element, as I mentioned before, is uh, the organizer <laughs> and also the alchemist. That is the traditional name uh, that was coined for the metal. And then the water element is the philosopher, or I also call it imaginator, because they have great creativity and imagination. Wow. 
So, and the way the elements work together, it is very, um, I think very helpful in setting up environments. That's why I said, you know, with interior design, it's, you know, it's beauty, but with feng shui and using the five elements, you can get to how is this element, how is this space going to nurture your nature? Yeah, that's nice. I'm sort of talking of nurturing your nature. Um, do you have an example of a client who maybe have had some issues or problems and you did a, a feng shui and a sort of biophilic design shift on their space and it's helped them? You know, can you sort of ex maybe explain what the issues were and what you did and, and maybe what the results were, how it helped them? Oh, sure. So, um, so I actually had a client who was going through a very, um, very challenging divorce. It was a very tough period for her. And she was fire element, which is the inspire of a wizard. And it's the type of person that when they walk into a room, they cannot not be noticed. You know, they're, they're bubbly, they're full of life and passionate and enthusiastic. But um, her, her fire had, been, had gone out. Mm. So it was more like depressed and, um, you know, the opposite of fire. And when I went to her home and I looked at the master bedroom, it was all earth. So um, the way the elements kind of work is earth drains fire. So her bedroom was in effect, um, not only not supporting her, but really draining her energy. And what I found out in our discussion is you know, kind of because of the dynamic between her and her husband, she was no longer sleeping in the master bedroom. And she put herself in the den, the family room. Mm. And she was laying, she was sleeping on a couch, which is totally um, challenging and not good feng shui. Mm. But when I looked around the room, I saw why she was drawn there. It had a fireplace. Oh, really? It had um, wood paneling, like beautiful, sumptuous wood paneling on the walls. Mm. And sleeping on a leather couch. Now, all these elements around her were supporting her fire. Yeah. The wood and the fire element were nurturing her and making her feel like she was embraced. Yeah. So uh, luckily for her, she actually had a guest room that wasn't used. And I said, now this is where you should move to. You, you really need to have the dignity of your own space and not use the family room. Mm. So she then um, kind of created a, a special place for her tapping into the wood element. And wow, she really bounced back and found her, found her mojo again and, um, and was able to get through that challenging period in her life. That's fantastic. That's a nice, that's a nice positive result. On another front, I was dealing with uh, a commercial client who was working in a warehouse type of building with no natural light except in the conference room. And, I, and there was a lot of, um, the office staff had a problem with headaches. So I went in and gave some recommendations on um, redoing, uh, you know, incorporating biofield design through the finishes. So, you know, new carpeting that kind of mimicked like prairie lands, which okay. was lovely because they, um, they were in the Midwest. So this was prairie land country. And we were able to incorporate natural colors to the wall coverings and images of uh, nature through the walls. 
you know, some wallpaper in, in certain spaces and, um, and then we worked on the light issue. Now they had just, you know, refitted all LED fixtures, you know, they took away the fluorescence and they put these LED fixtures, which were so bright mm -hmm. that that was causing so much problems with the headaches with the staff. So on a very kind of low budget, um, we had some of those LED fixtures unplugged mm -hmm. so that it could kind of minimize the number of fixtures kind of sporadically, you know, purposely throughout the space yeah. so that every area was well lit, but it didn't, wasn't overwhelmed by the brightness. And then we incorporated some desk lamps and floor lamps that the employees got to purchase on their own. Like, this, you know, they had a budget. Oh. And to get something that you know felt really good to them, okay, and that added kind of more of an ambient light to their workspace, mm -hmm. and then they could actually have the ability to control how much light they wanted. Mm -hmm. And then for those LED fixtures, we put this kind of film that's like clouds. It looks like a blue sky with clouds. Okay. Yeah, they placed them on the fixtures themselves, and it really reduced that sharp harshness of the lighting and it really improved morale and productivity in the space. I, I don't have the actual numbers, but just self-reported, it's really wonders. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine it made a phenomenal difference. And then we also incorporated, which I really feel, I, I hope a lot of companies are going to do now, but yeah. because it was like an open work plan, you know, open floor plan, we created little kind of more of like a prospect and refuge by arranging the desks and having planters be like borders between desks. Okay. You had that, you know, live plants, you kind of had a feeling of privacy mm -hmm. and, and, um, and it also, you know, just, it does a lot to the, uh, the indoor air quality by giving kind of that moisture that plants provide and also refreshes the air. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that really helped a lot to the feeling of the space. That would have made a big difference, I should imagine. It's a really great idea, as you say. I mean, you know, actually using those, that terminology, you know, so this prospect and refuge in a workplace. I mean, everybody's got these, you know, most, most, most offices are, are open plan. Mm -hmm. And if you're, if you're for an introvert or even if you're just trying to, you know, get your head down and, and concentrate, it's... Um, be really distracting and it's not good for everybody so um you know combining nature um and creating these areas for prospect and refuge i think it's a brilliant idea of putting planters in to create borders that's fantastic i just hope as you say yeah. more workplaces do that especially now you know i i think it's a it's a no-brainer that it just has so many you know it's a win-win i think win-win-win um and you know and it creates a little bit of the boundaries and separation between staff. So hopefully that will work now with kind of distancing requirements. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add, Maureen? Well, I just, I, I, I am really very hopeful. I mean, I'm always a hopeful person. I try to be, but I'm very hopeful that with this kind of shift to working from home and people kind of rethinking their lives, that, you know, this, I, I think what's happening is people are understanding that nature is more important now in their lives. 
more and more people are recognizing that. I'm hoping that it's lasting and that people you know, recognize that nature really does make them feel better because I think that's, you know, that's the shift. That's one of the shifts that we really need um, to kind of shift away from the more masculine approach to life where everything is about financial um, success and more about the heart. I think that's what nature provides us. It, is, it opens our hearts. And I think it's just one of those things that our society, our global culture really needs to tap into. And I'm, I'm hopeful that this is gonna help it on its way. Thank you for listening to the Journal of Biophilic Design podcast.